What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Everything But Hockey. I'm your host, Andrea Helfrich. Still processing the fact that it's March. Happy March, guys. Where did the last year go? I do not know. But I do know this month is Women's History Month, which is really cool. Um, Even though I spend every day celebrating being a woman and all the female rock stars in my life, we get to do it all month on this show. Today, I'm joined by twin sisters that are hockey players and Olympic gold medalists, Monique Lamro Miranda and her sister Jocelyn Lamro Davidson. They both played an integral role in helping Team USA get that gold at the 2018 Olympic Winter Games in Pyeongchang. It was a huge deal. I'm sure you read about it, but what you don't read about is the journey that they went on to get there. Just imagine being a kid, you love a sport, but there are no teams for your gender in your area. So now what? You got to figure it out. And that's what they did. And they wrote a book about it and it just came out. I love this for them. They can now add author to their resume, which also has Olympic gold medalists on it. Pretty cool. And they've got an amazing story to tell. So we're going to jump right into that. But before we start the conversation, I do have to preface this with they are twins. They do look identical. All right, let's just do it. It's good to see you guys. You too. Um, it's funny because I was going to test myself because I don't know if you remember, I remember because I'm like scarred that I can never separate and identify you guys properly on the first go. And I remember last time I saw you at the arena, it was like a year from this time. Exactly. Yeah. You told me a tip that now you've thrown me off because it had to do with your hair. Oh, so don't say anything. I'm going to try. Whoever wants to raise their hand, I'm going to try to identify based off of, I, I wrote this down because I'm like, I'm not messing this up. Okay, I got it. Whoever wants to raise their hand. Jocelyn? No. <laughs> okay, in my notes, it's Monique straightens her hair and Jocelyn curls her hair. So your hair looks yeah. pretty straight yeah. today. I We just didn't curl. I just had my hair up today because I didn't had a big kink in it and I didn't feel like straightening it for an hour. <laughs> That's totally fine, but I'm sorry I failed you. Okay, maybe next year I'll get it right. But welcome. Thanks for being on the show. We're so excited to have you. And like, I first want to start with your guys' story before we even get to the book. I want to start from your beginnings of North Dakota, hockey, that just your whole story and how you got involved. I know you guys have four brothers, so I imagine, you know, that was a huge influence in you loving hockey. Tell me everything. Well, our dad, so our dad played at the University of North Dakota and won two national championships with the Fighting Sioux. And then our parents got married right out of college and started having kids pretty quickly after that. So we're all very tight in age. There's six of us in under six years, which is crazy. Um, but our brothers all played uh, played hockey around. But our parents put us in like every sport. Like we played so many different sports growing up, but we had a pond across the street and we grew up playing out on the outdoor rinks. And so I think we just developed our love for the game when we'd go out there and there was no one telling us what to do or what drills to do. We weren't being coached and being monitored by adults. And I think that's really where we developed our love for the game. And we always wanted to take along with our brothers and do what they were doing. And so they were going out to the rinks a lot and we were following, following in their footsteps. That's so cool. And what age were you playing when it was like all fun and games? And then what age did, did it kind of become like, okay, here's some barriers that we have, including no girls hockey teams in the area and that kind of thing. I think we started to recognize it when we were um, 
going into our first tryout setting, which would, would be peewees, which I think middle school, middle school. So like sixth grade um, is when we first started to recognize it because we were the only girls trying out prior. It was like an invite team. So there weren't formal tryouts. So going into a formal tryout setting where parents were complaining before the teams were even picked that we shouldn't be allowed to try out and take the spot of a boy, even if we were better. Um, so I think that's when we started to recognize it, but not totally like, it was kind of like, well, well, if we're better, we're going to make the team. And like, we looked at it very like black and white like that. Um, and that's then, the beauty of being a kid. Sometimes, you know, you have that, like, you don't, you're not jaded as we are as adults. You, you have like, I can do anything. I'm better than he is. If we didn't have, if there wasn't a girl's option for us to play, our parents would sign us up on boys team. So we played, there was softball growing up, but we played baseball. I think it was probably like an easier for, easier for scheduling for our parents to just put us on one of the same teams where, as our brothers. Um, but like we played baseball, we played boy soccer when we had the opportunity to do that. So that wasn't the only hockey wasn't the only boy sport we played but our parents if there wasn't an option they figured out a way for us to play a sport if there wasn't an all-girls option yeah and I think as we got older from like sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade we started to realize okay we can't play on boys teams forever and knew that if we wanted to play competitively we were going to have to move away from home and so um I mean, unfortunately, I think that's still the case if you're really talented in the area that we grew up in. But um, yeah, I would say at a young age, you start to pick up on the little little things that, that parents say. And then I think that becomes a reflection of how the boys were treating us. And of course, like now that you're both parents, like, can you even put, how, how do you do that? I mean, I guess were these... Um, like the things being said about you, were they told to your face? Were they told to your parents? Was it whispered? Like, how was this negativity kind of delivered? How did you get wind of it? It was never really delivered at us. I would say it was or directly delivered at us. Like when we were playing games, like on the rings, like you'd always get parents that might be yelling, like knock her over. And, and the moms, like, to be honest, the moms, moms were the worst. They, worse. they would yell yeah. more than the dads. <laughs> yes, there, there would be that. And then you would... I think you would indirect, like Jocelyn said, if the parents didn't like that we were on the team, usually, I mean, if they're saying stuff in the household, that usually translates to how the the boys are towards you. So like we had teammates that ignored us or didn't pass us the puck as often. So that type of stuff. So you started to, know, I mean, as you're, you're in middle school, so you start to pick up on those things a little bit more. Um, but I mean, we just always like, tried to ignore it and really not pay that much attention to it. And like our dad always said, let your plane speak for itself. So it was kind of more like we just kept our heads down and our mouth shut and just continued to play and have fun because that's what we love to do. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, there are some parents that were amazing and supported yeah. us. And we had coaches that were very supportive. And we were a lot of the times one of the better players on the team and, and we played accordingly. We weren't held back from, from a playing standpoint um, as far as ice time because we were girls. And so we were very fortunate to have great coaches basically through our entire youth career. That's amazing. And it sounds to me like some of the boys were just jealous because you know your skills 
were better and they didn't know what to do with that. You know, like when you're younger and you're still figuring out your body and you're going through puberty, there's a lot of things going on and hormones. And I just can't even imagine all that basically going on in the rink. So you guys grew up very fast. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, when you're younger, I think you're like, when we're in elementary school, I feel like we're just kind of oblivious to all that as kids should be. And you don't pay attention. Like we were best friends with the, the kids that were on our team. So most of our friends growing up were boys. Um, and then when you get into middle school, I'm mean, kind of like anything else and, it, and kids start going through puberty and, and that whole bit, then that's when I think the dynamic of like male and female start to change and, how kids at, interact towards one another. And so that was really when I think when we noticed that you could see the jealousy a little bit more and a clear divide a little bit differently, but like Joss and I, like our dad always, we just kind of ignored it and just continued to play. And it, I mean, it was, there was some bad stuff and, but the, for the most part, I think parents and our teammates were we're fairly positive and good about it. It sounds like your parents are and were extremely supportive and there's nothing better than that. Um, I read about your mom when she was trying to figure out who to cheer for, which twin, when you guys were competing against each other and remind me the line that she said, or like her mantra, what was it? It was about cheering for the, the twin behind. Yes. She would, if, if we were competing against each other, it was like, who am I going to cheer for? She, so she always told us she was going to cheer for the one behind. Um, so that's kind of, we remember that, that mainly came, I think that started when we started running cross country pretty competitively. And so, yeah. What role did your parents play for you guys? I mean, it, it sounds like they had a lot going on with six of you and you were all in sports. So there was a lot of like juggling. Take me through that. How did that play out? Well, I think our parents, it was, they complement each other, I think, in how we grew up just in, in the sporting world. Um, so our oldest brother moved away when he was a junior in high school, high school to go play in the USHL. And then the following year, two of our other brothers left. And then the next year was like us, us two and our other brother, brother left. So we kind of, we understood that if we were going to continue to pursue hockey, that we were likely going to have to move away from home uh, just because there wasn't the opportunities in Grand Forks and so when we moved away from home and we were playing in games and going to tournaments like we understood and it and I had always growing up there were six of us and there's only two parents so we knew that they couldn't be at everything we went to four national tournaments and our parents weren't able to to go to any of them when we were at Shattuck but I remember our, our senior year, our parents like, well, do you want us to come or you could go and watch one of our brothers play in the NCAA tournament? Like, well, Phil's a senior, you should go watch him like in co play college hockey in there. So there was that aspect of it, but our dad always coached, coached most of the teams that we played on growing up or it helped out in some way. And then our mom, I think complimented as more of like the cheerleader, but I think people underestimate the traits that we have from our mom and her competitiveness and her her drive and her work ethic. She, I mean, she definitely, our dad, she holds her own, her, her own, um, I guess her dad for sure. Yeah. Our mom, like, I think a great example of how our mom was, was after she had Monique and I, she started running and she ran 25 marathons after she had six kids. And we both remember her best marathon time is 316 and change. 
which is like a crazy, it's like a 7.30 pace, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, but we remember that. And I think the reason we remember that is because of how hard she trained. She would wake up at like 4.30, 5 in the morning. She'd run in the dead of winter. If we had practice at one of the arenas in town, there it was basically like a track on the outside concourse. So she would run for like an hour straight during our practice. And so she was just a great example of like, having a plan and working hard every day. And we saw that unfold um, in such an inspiring way throughout our childhood. And it wasn't intentionally, obviously, she was doing something that she loved that probably kept her sane because she had six kids. Um, but we got to we got to watch it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's like it, the best motivation when it's so indirect, but you just watch, I mean, running laps around the rink while you're practicing, that's just yeah like we would in the summer she would go for runs and we like every once in a while we'd want to bike with her so we would bike with her and then she would run too far for our liking so we would turn around and bike home while she continued her run yep so. oh my your mom is a rock star that's so cool that you guys had that all that great foundation growing up mm-hmm. wow um now I'm sure that like carries over into you guys being moms and didn't both of your sons just turn two are they yes. two now? They did. Mickey turned two in December and then Nelson turned two in January. So there's, there's six weeks apart. Are you, do you joint birthday party them? No, because one's before Christmas, one's after. So we, we split it up. Yeah, we split it up this plan last year. I guess we did too. But last year for Nelson's birthday, he fell, he was trying to like jump on a balloon and missed it and cracked his chin on the no. on the floor so he had did he get stitches or did they, glue they it? just had to glue it but. and make an urgent care stop before they before he had cake on his first birthday <laughs> that was on his first birthday yeah well I mean I wouldn't expect anything less from, from you know like the athleticism side of your genes for him to be trying to do something crazy are they both like running around bouncing off the walls yeah I would say Mickey has very very high energy so he like we make sure like every day he needs to be able to like work off his energy and run run around like in our basement he'll just run laps around the couch he'll be doing something he'll just get up and just run like 10 laps around the couch which is pretty funny but him and Nelson go to daycare together and they spend a lot they probably spend more time together than we do yeah most days. so they're like twins but they I mean they, they, need, they needed their space yesterday. Yeah. So like sometimes so. we'll hang out after daycare and they'll play together. And some days they just need their space and can't be around each other after daycare. It just depends on the day. I respect <laughs> that they know that about each other though at two, like the ripe age of two. That's, that's good that they know and they need <laughs> to be separated. Yeah. And then we recognize it because they're like hitting each other. We're like, okay, we need some alone. Yeah, okay, it's more you guys, not so much them. But um, it's funny. I asked because my friends with boys are all just like the energy difference between their girls and their boys. My one friend was telling me how her son, she looked over the other day and heard a banging and he was banging his head into a cabinet in the kitchen, just repeatedly sitting there bang. I don't know. I guess he liked the noise. I have no idea what goes through their heads, but yeah. Nelson will be more likely to like sit down and do something intently and like really focus and make, he's got to be like moving around and running around. So there's definitely, we can have seen those differences in them. Yeah, of course. And I'm sure they'll, you know, develop more as they get older, but going back to you guys as kids, I know this is like a hard thing to ask, but when, well, no one is born wanting to go to the Olympics, but like, when did you realize you could do this for a career? When did that happen? Well, I think, um, 
we first started watching the Olympics, my first vivid memory, or both of ours, we remember watching 96 Olympics when the gymnast won. Yeah, and Carrie Strug landed on one foot to win. (laughs) So we both remember that moment. Um, And so we would have been, we were seven years old. And then we remember the 98 team winning for the first time, women's hockey being in the Olympics. And so that really... I would say the 96 and 98 Olympics were our first memories and really we wanted to be in the Olympics in whatever we were doing. So we did figure skating for like six months, six months, one year. And so we're, even when we were figure skating, we weren't very good. Um, we're like, Oh, we want to be like Christy Yamaguchi or yeah. Michelle you know, Kwan. Or, yeah. Or Nancy yeah. Kerrigan. And so, um, so it was just kind of whatever we were doing, the Olympics was like the pinnacle for us. That was like, what we wanted to be and then as we started to commit to different sports hockey became that one thing um and then I guess from a career standpoint like we're hoping that there's more opportunities beyond what we're able to do I think we're able from a national team perspective throughout our careers create a lot more opportunities not just us but our team um with more equitable support from USA hockey but I think there's still a long way to go for women's hockey. And if young girls can dream about having a true career, professional career, then that's when women's hockey is on the map. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think we still have a ways to go. We're on the right path, but I think that's the next step for women's hockey is, is for girls to be able to have that dream. And, you know, talking about the path that you're on and the fight that you have been fighting and continue to fight, you know, you're releasing your new book, which I want to hear all about. So it is Mm -hmm. called Dare to Make History, Chasing a Dream and Fighting for Equality. Um, Tell me everything about this from like, when did you aspire to write a book about your story? When did that start? I guess it was never really like on our list of things to do was to set out to write a book but soon after the olympics um we had a few people that were like you two should really like write a book together like you guys have um you you haven't you have a story that's compelling and people want to hear about it and we i mean we don't find ourselves that interesting but apparently you lived it but yeah yeah so we so yeah it would have been almost about two years ago now we put a put together a book proposal and it had it shopped around and a publisher picked it up so to think like we went through the process of like starting with a blank page being first-time authors and really not knowing like where to start to now our book being released in a couple um, on February 23rd is just the whole process has been and it's been a really reflective process for us Uh, I think uh, the hardest part was just getting started and figuring out with having two people writing it together was figuring out how we were going to write it in our in our voices and have it flow properly and not have it um be too choppy like, yeah mm-hmm. too choppy is the right word um so that I think that was the bit once we got that figured out I think the rest of it really came naturally but we were extremely involved in in every part of the process and it was so, so to see it like really come to life has been has been pretty rewarding yeah and I think it's easy like I think as Olympic athletes, if you're a fan of the Olympics, what people see is just the pinnacle. Like for example, 2018, people see a gold medal. Um, mm-hmm. If you were specifically paying attention to uh, the the tournament that Monique and I had, we had really successful tournament throughout that Olympics. Um, 
but leading up to the Olympic games, we face a lot of adversity and we, we share some of that in the book. And I think that's the important lesson is what people might be aware of are, are amazing accomplishments that, you know, dreams come true for us. Um, but we want to paint a realistic picture of what it's like, what it takes. And we do have failures along the way and, and, struggle, and struggles and just like anyone else. Cause no one wants to hear how perfect and easy everything was. Hell no, because that's not attainable. So like your whole goal is to make other girls and women feel like they can do this too. So I love that. Can you actually like tell me a little bit about the adversity? Can you give me like a, during that tournament and what you just talked about facing prior to that, that people didn't see in the public eye as much? Yeah, I think and we've talked about it before. Um, going into the 2018 Olympics, I would say that was probably as players individually, that was probably the most adversity we ever had to go through. Um, so we had the Four Nations tournament that was in November and we still had cuts uh, to be made uh, before the official Olympic roster was named. And so we actually didn't play that entire tournament and never really got an explanation. We were both healthy, had both been playing well. And so we we sat an entire tournament. Um, which had never, like, never happened. In our entire national team career, that has never happened to a single player, let alone two. Did you, yeah. get a, did you get a read, like a why, an answer? No, so we, never, we never really got a, re a reason why. And so we, after that tournament, Joss and I were like, hey, we have six weeks until this team is named and we have to approach every single day like it's the last day of tryouts and we have to have great practices. We have to prepare like it's a, basically like a gold medal game every day. That's kind of how we had to approach it. And it wasn't easy and it wasn't always fun. And we had to be like put on a brave face uh, and make sure that we were always as far as just being great teammates, having great attitudes all the time and really give the coaches no excuse to, to send us home. And so we, we go into that um, fairly in depth in the book. And so I would say that's, I mean, so to, to be able to basically make the team by the skin of our teeth. <laughs> And then to go on to have the tournaments that we had and then to, to do what we did in the gold medal game um, specific for us as individuals is pretty rewarding for us. So we do talk about that in the book and then some other things. But yeah, I would say that's a pretty impactful, I think, thing that athletes would take away from the book and what we went through going into that tournament. Because like Jocelyn said, you you see that the success in the very pinnacle and the tip of the iceberg, but there's so much more to the story. Wow. Yeah. And someone, I mean, I'm no professional athlete. I played soccer in junior high and that was the end of my career. So, but e like even a regular person that's not an athlete can learn so much from that. So I'm really excited to dive in myself. I have the digital copy. So I have gotten through a little bit of it so far. What I've read is awesome. You said figuring out how to put both of your voices in without being choppy was tough. Where did it land? Like is one chapter Monique's voice, one chapter, Jocelyn, like how did you guys land? Where'd you land? So we no. so no, we don't split it up by chapters. We basically split it up by moments or um, Story. stories. And that's how we split it up because sometimes like I start something and then Monique's voice comes in and like finishes it. Um, so we think we, 
that that was truly I think the hardest part at the beginning was figuring out how we were going to do that or were we going to speak in one voice and say we all the time but I don't think that was fair especially as we got older we definitely have our own perspectives on certain things and our own experiences so um yeah but I think we hit we hit the right balance and I don't want to say you can tell who is talking because I feel like we do have similar like our writing is similar and our voices are similar but um I think we hit the mark the right way with it yeah that'll be the true test if I can read and identify which one is doing the talking then I will be very happy with myself um so like you said this was a very reflective process and I can imagine like digging up stories that might have been from when you were eight all the way up to present day is like it's like therapy so during that whole process was there anything that came to light that you both were like wow, that happened or remember that I buried that memory. Like, was there anything? Um, well, I think there was, uh, in middle school and high school, one of our brothers went through a mental illness struggle. And we talk about that in the book and our brother has been very open about that. He, uh, even when he was in high school towards the end before he graduated was open about it and talked about it wave of, I mean, this is back in early 2000. So before professional athletes were speaking about anxiety and depression and all that. And so we talk about that in our book and how it affected us. Not that we went through the struggle of mental illness, but being a family member and a sibling of someone who was going through it. And so we share that story. And that was something that was really important for us to share. And when we talked, we obviously wanted to talk to our brother and make sure he was okay with us talking about it and he was totally supportive and so I think that was probably the one story that when we brought it up we were like absolutely we should talk about it because like Jocelyn said before you don't want to paint a picture of how your life was perfect when no one no one's life is perfect every family has their struggles every individual goes through things in their lives that shape them to who they are and I think that was one thing that we went through as as twins as siblings as a family that really um, I think plays a big role in how we are towards other people and compassionate and have, um, we treat mental, like mental illness is not a stigma to us. And if we can help people in other, in other ways, whether that's them going through it or being a family member going through it, we want to share our story as well. No, that's so important. I can relate to it myself and I appreciate you guys, including that. Tell me the release date. Did you guys pick that because it was the day after the anniversary? Like, is the release date like a special day? No, we we actually didn't. It was the publisher. The publisher picked, picked, it, picked it. it, and we're like, oh, that should that should work in the schedule. <laughs> when did you realize that it was the day? Like, what is it? It's like the day after. Yeah, I think it's the day after the third anniversary of our gold medal. Yeah, right. That's wild how life just sometimes works out like that. Yeah, perfect timing. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, what is like the one takeaway you want everyone to have from reading your book? Girl, boy, man, woman, athlete, not athlete. I think the biggest thing, cause we talk about our work with our foundation and yes, we won an Olympic gold medal and accomplished our dreams, but it's always been about so much more than winning hockey games and chasing medals and, um, if that's all it's ever about, it's those moments are short lived and you don't, you don't get to take advantage of the opportunity and the difference that you can make when you have a platform like that. And so 
we really want to encourage and inspire everyone that no matter what they're doing in their life, no matter what they're pursuing along the way, there's always opportunities to make a difference in some capacity, big or small, um, and make a difference for the people around you. And we all have that opportunity. And especially in today's world um, with the struggles that so many are going through and COVID, um, we really hope to inspire um, everyone who reads the book um, to give back and to make a difference. Well, this episode will air after it's been released. So for everyone listening, go pick up your copy. Will this be available everywhere? Like where can people? So you can order the book on Amazon. I believe Target is also carrying it online. You can also go to your local bookstore. If they're not carrying it, you could ask them to order it. So there are plenty of ways to get it. I would say Amazon's probably the easiest, but if you want to support local, go to your local bookstore. Well, that is so exciting. I'm really, I'm proud of you guys. Like as every time I see you, there's another accomplishment to talk about, but this is really cool that you go into the raw stuff that got you there because that, like I said, that's what we can all really relate to. Um, and like I also said, this is going to air after you guys make an announcement, which I was just told about by your publicist before we got on here. So you have a secret that you're going to tell people or can you tell us here? Uh, Monique and I are, well, I guess, so if it airs, so by this time we'll be retired. Um, we're announcing next week. So on February 9th, that we will be retiring um, from our playing careers. Um, so it's, uh, I guess, kind of bittersweet. We know it's the right time. We feel like it's the right time for us uh, with where we are in life and family and things that have gone on and how COVID has impacted a lot of things. and um so yeah it's it's bittersweet we're, we're excited about the next chapter in life we're obviously a little sad to be to be closing a door on our playing career but um it happens eventually to every athletic or every professional athlete and so mm -hmm. we're we're excited about what's ahead yeah i would say we're we're it wasn't easy to come to that decision, but it was, I think the right decision at the right time for us. I mean, I'm due with our second son in five weeks now. So that's coming up as well. So there's, we're expanding our family. And so it's definitely, it was a lot of different, hard and difficult conversations, but like Jocelyn says, it, it was the right decision for us at this time. And we're, we're not, I don't think we're going to regret it. I think obviously we're going to miss our teammates and time with teammates. That's what you miss the most. Um, but it's not goodbye to hockey. We'll stay involved in some way or some capacity. I was going to say, I mean, you're just dropping a book, so that's huge. And if you don't have an answer, that's okay. But do we have an idea of another benchmark you guys want to check off the list? I think, I think we're trying to figure that out right now and yeah. what, what that could look like. And, um, you know, we're going to keep our options open for opportunities and especially if some come our way, um, to stay involved with hockey, uh, we definitely want to take advantage of what we can. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, we're excited. We don't know exactly what we're going to do yet, but we'll figure it out. Which is kind of exciting though. The unknown, like you can do, you can go any which way. So I wish you both all the best in that and with the delivery and birth of your new child. So thank, thank you. you 
Thanks for having us. Oh, <laughs> wow, guys. Going out in true twin fashion with that goodbye in unison. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I love the conversation. I have such admiration for people that will do whatever it takes to do what they love. And that's what the two of them did. And I'm really excited to continue reading their book. If you haven't gotten your hands on it, go do so and keep it locked on everything but hockey because my next guest is another powerhouse. Chief Marketing Officer of the NHL, Heidi Browning. If you guys have direct messaged me or just if you want to work in sports, this is the episode for you. She drops so much advice, such great stories. She shares how she had a very unconventional route getting into sports, and she's just amazing all around. I cannot wait, as you can tell, to release that episode. So if you're not already, subscribe so you don't miss it. And as always, rate, review. Let me know what you think of the show. I love talking to you guys in the reviews. Until next time, stay safe and healthy. Bye, guys.